0: i'm recording just so you know
1: okay don't put my weird thingy in
0: i'm not gonna put your weird thingy in hello michael hi Hava. how are you (laughs) what's so funny what's so funny just i was
1: thinking about how my friend talked about how comforting it is to hear our normal podcast intro. You just did it so perfectly. You just did that thing you do.
0: What, where I just sound like a sad puppy who made a mess?
1: Like a sad Jewish puppy.
0: Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I am a sad Jewish puppy.
1: I know. That's what attracted me to you.
0: There you go, kids. So if you're listening, (laughs) if you're clinically depressed, that's attractive to some people, so...
1: If you're clinically depressed and Jewish.
0: Right. Okay. Well, that's true. (laughs) What I'm saying is, if you're depressed...
1: You can make it work. Throw some glitter on it, you know? Make it a look. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. how are you, Michael? How was your day? How was your Shabbat? It's Shabbat. We're recording on Shabbat. So, sorry, everyone. Yeah.
0: I did a lot of sewing projects. I'm sewing a giant isohedron pillow, so like a giant platonic shape.
1: That's very math of you.
0: It's super math. Just going to be a giant ball that rolls around my apartment, and I made it out of old denim. I'm getting bleary-eyed, and I can't really see the (laughs) thread going into the needle anymore. I had a very Russian-Jewish dinner today. Oh, what
1: is a Russian Jewish dinner? like what is a typical Russian Jewish dinner, and also what was your Russian Jewish dinner?
0: Oh my God, what is a typical oh uh, I don't even know it's it's you know, oh, I, okay I just, just tell me just tell me i had this is not typical this is me that was me being sarcastic, but what I did was I cut up a raw onion and a <laughs> raw tomato and I put it on top of toast with butter and I wow and then I and then I put some salt and pepper on it and I ate it
1: I'm like I'm tense just hearing about this
0: oh it was so good fresh it was like pico de gallo but like Russian Jew style
1: we're nowhere near each other and I'm grimacing as if you're trying to force feed this to me
0: Hava tell me how are you How are you?
1: I'm actually pretty good today. It was the first day of nice weather in quite a bit. I spent almost the whole day outside from 11.45 until probably 5 p.m. I drank some Miller High Life. I drank some Sangria. Mmm. I held court. Like, I allowed, like, one friend to come by at a time and sit six feet away from me for a little while. So I got a lot of vitamin D. I got super swasty. Because it's Shabbat, you know? I was having a Shabbat party. I feel like I did Shabbat really, really well. And then tomorrow I'm teaching... Talmud class at 7 p.m. So Mm,
0: That's right, that's right.
1: So I had a good day today and then I have a lot to look forward to tomorrow. I have a full, rich life.
0: You do have a very full, rich life. I'm so happy that I somehow weaseled my way into the bosom of your life.
1: Thank you, great to have you on the show, you know, yeah of my life, which is also coincidentally the show we make together
0: that that is true.
1: We can make beautiful podcasts together, baby,
0: yeah, that's right, we're gonna go far, we're gonna go all <laughs> the way to the moon. <laughs>
1: we will not go to the moon
0: well before we get there we should i guess talk about what this show is going to be about we are a talmudic podcast right so in the spirit of the talmudic podcast we wanted to do a little dialectic not a debate but like a joint learning experience where i the inexperienced talmud learner will try to explain to Hava, the experienced talmud learner what the talmud is
1: Yes, this is our episode about what is the Talmud, and the way we're going to do it is Michael's going to tell me what he thinks the Talmud is, and then I will gently clarify his opinions.
0: (laughs) Love it. Great. Are you ready? Should we do it? Should we try this?
1: Yes, Michael, please mansplain to me what the Talmud is.
0: Oh, my pleasure.
1: This is consensual mansplaining, everyone, okay? Look it up.
0: I can talk about literally what the Talmud is, which is a bunch of written stuff, but I want to talk about the context of what this stuff means. I grew up a Reformed Jew, and, you know, I'm a Jewish immigrant, so there's, there's traditions and customs that are Jewish that my family does, and then there's this thing called the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that is like the historical mythology text, the basis for... A lot of the jewish traditions that we know Mm -hmm. how do you get from this mythological text that's associated with a desert cult which i'm a part of to like the actual ritualistic cyclical things ways of thinking ways of identifying ourselves and relating to the world that we actually experience as jews i think the talmud is the bridge between the two the bridge between lived experience and historical mythology of a desert cult. What do you think of that little framing?
1: I think it's an interesting idea. I have to say... I am not sure that it's the bridge. I used to think that the Talmud could be simply explained as the rabbi's attempt to translate the Torah, which is like a pretty vague, you know, ambiguous book, into an actual code for living. And to some extent, I think that's true. But I now have come more to feel like by the time the rabbi started creating the Talmud, Jewish life as it was being lived by most Jews, had already developed significantly. People weren't living exactly how the Torah said. People had their own customs. Holidays had been coming up in society, like, basically, like, there was some natural theological drift in between the time the Torah was done being written and the time the rabbis started the Talmud. So now I sort of think of the Talmud as more the attempt, rather than trying to bridge between the Torah and lived experience. The Talmud is actually maybe more trying to harmonize lived experience and Torah. And sometimes it does that by trying to change what people do. And sometimes it does it by reinterpreting the Torah to match what people are already doing.
0: So sometimes there's back projection, there's traditions, ways of living that exist for whatever reasons, and then people are trying to use the mythology that they have to justify that to themselves, which is, is something that people have always done. Maybe our guest next week will talk about that.
1: <laughs> yes, we are having a very exciting guest next week to talk about history and Jewish mysticism and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and history. hopefully.
0: So much history. <laughs> overwhelming, overwhelming
1: overwhelmingly historical.
0: You basically agree with me, Hava. It is kind of a bridge. It may be a back-projecting bridge to a certain degree, but it is a bridge.
1: I'm not willing to say I agree with you whole hog. Yes, I do believe the Talmud is a bridge. I believe that's one of the things the Talmud is. I'm not sure that that metaphor alone encompasses the fullness of the role the Talmud plays in Jewish
0: life. I want to ask some questions, Hava. Can I ask some questions that allow Yeah, me. ask me some
1: questions, babe.
0: My question's going to be, like, what else is it? Let's say the point of Talmud is to feel connected to people, recognize the shared humanity, and blah, 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 interconnected, universal, everything. If that's where we're going, why focus on the Talmud as a source for that? Because that's what I assume you're going to say the Talmud is. Why not get really into history, archaeology, linguistics, learning languages? Why is the Talmud the place you go to get? your meaning, as opposed to other things related to Judaism from antiquity.
1: This is a throwback to an earlier episode. You've asked me this question before. Why do I choose the Talmud over other things? I'll say it again. Like, a big reason for me is because I just find Talmud study so darn pleasurable. To me, studying Talmud is a joy. I really like to do it. And that is enough. The reason that I enjoy it, that it brings me pleasure, that's enough for it to be the thing that I turn to for a source of connection to my past and to the infinite. But if you were going to ask me to say something more... I would say it doesn't exist in isolation from the other things that you're talking about. When you study Talmud, you have to learn history. When you study Talmud, you end up needing to think about art and music. The Talmud is tied together with all of the different parts of Jewish life that you're mentioning. So it's not an either-or proposition. The Talmud is completely interwoven with the fabric of Jewish resistance. When I study it, it provides me different entryways into other Jewish subjects. And so I'm constantly like dancing back and forth. It's all in relation with itself.
0: All right. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Thanks, (laughs) Bubba.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I'm hip, you know?
0: We all think you're hip. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay, ask me another question.
0: Why do you think there's more of a focus on Talmud scholarship than there is on Torah or Tanakh scholarship?
1: Mm, Well, first I want to say I don't think that's universally the case. I actually think that in the progressive world or Maybe it's more accurate to say in the non-Orthodox world, I think there's actually much more of a focus on learning about Tanakh. If you go to a Reformed synagogue as a child, like, you're probably going to learn your Tanakh stories growing up.
0: That was my experience. I didn't really even know what the Talmud was. I just associated it with beards. That's really all... (laughs) That's really all I knew. My Reform rabbi didn't even have a beard.
1: Yeah, the beards is what drew me to the Talmud. I started studying it in hopes of encountering great beards, and I'm still on the hunt.
0: Well, I mean, you found one person with a pretty good beard. It's
1: true. Michael has a good beard, everyone. That is a fact. But I need a whole collection.
0: As an outsider looking into Orthodox Judaism, I kind of intuited that Talmud is a big deal there.
1: Yeah, Talmud is more emphasized. And here is a reason that I think, if I'm wrong about this, listeners, please call in and let me know. But part of the reason I think is because one of the things that Talmud does so much is it interprets and contextualizes Torah stories? There are certain behaviors of theoretically good, quote, good Torah characters who, if you don't have the Talmud interpretation of that story, you're going to think, how. Could they do this? Like, this is very fucked up. For instance, a favorite example of mine is this character, Korach, who is one of the Israelites who's in the desert with Moses. And basically, at one point, Korach is like, hey, Moses, why are only you the one who talks to God? Didn't God say we're a holy people? Aren't we all holy? Moses fucking puts down the rebellion, Korach gets swallowed by a mouth in the earth. It's just fully insane. I think if you are lacking the Talmudic interpretation to that, it's clear that Moses is being fucked up. I mean, I love Korach. I'm not here to be anti-Korach. But I think part of the reason that maybe in the Orthodox world, Talmud is learned before Tanakh is because you give someone an explanation of a story before you tell it to them because you don't want them to think the wrong thing. And so Talmud has learned to contextualize before students encounter the Tanakh as itself. It's sort of like you tell a story, and you're like, "This is gonna sound fucked up, but." And the Talmud is the part that says, "This is gonna sound fucked up, but." And then the Tanakh is the fucked up story.
0: Why didn't I learn the Talmud interpretations, or why didn't I get the context? If you're Reform, grew up fairly secular, suddenly you're just getting the Torah and Tanakh thrown at you and you don't have context, and you're supposed to somehow take this stuff seriously, it's very difficult. Yeah, I
1: hear you, but I think at the same time, if you do have the Talmudic interpretations, you might come out thinking all the Jewish heroes in the Torah are like awesome guys who only ever did the right thing. So like the context is, Okay. Political. Like, I won't say you lose the chance to form your own opinion because I definitely think you can still form your opinion even if you learn Talmud first, but it shapes the conversation. But I think the way that synagogues teach Tanakh is also really weird. Like, we teach children Noah's Ark because it's theoretically a cute story full of animals, but it's actually, like, a very fucked up story. It's a very fucked up and crazy story that's really intense, and I think it's really weird, honestly, that we teach it at the age that we do. I think there's a lot to be said that's weird about the way Bible is taught. I don't know the history of how reform practices of... Early childhood education were formed. I wonder, yeah, if there's outside influence in the teaching strategy, like mm-hmm. if there's Christian influence. I'm curious about that. So I hope to learn someday how that switch came about because I do know it's a pretty big pedagogical divide, and yeah, I don't know the history of it.
0: Well, let's try to find out or something because that's very it's yeah. Why didn't I learn about the Talmud? I feel all left out. Why didn't I learn no Talmud? I definitely learned Noah's Ark.
1: Yeah, Noah's Ark is fucked up, man. Noah's Ark is fucking sad. All the animals, all the people fucking dying. I'm, you know, I'm not about it. And now, like, I read the Talmudic explanations of biblical characters' behavior, and I'm like, okay, rabbi, I don't buy it, but nice try. I'm less susceptible to the make-nice as an adult than I would have been as a child.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. A way I really like to think of it is the Bible, when you first look at it, is sort of like, a piece of embroidery. Like when you look at the front, seemingly it's, you know, a nice embroidered picture, like some flowers or something. And then you think about it and Talmud is like all of the crazy snarled threads that have to like go across and make knots on the back of the embroidery. Talmud is the attempt to like actually make it nice and pretty on the back end so mm-hmm. that you can have that pretty picture when you look at the Tanakh.
0: Prior to Talmud, were people trying to make sense of this stuff or was there less of a desire to like logic your way into a fully complete way of life?
1: Yeah, I don't know what the pre-Talmudic relationship to Tanakh and to, like, Jewish cohesion was. I mean, pre-Talmudic, we still had the temple. So there was still a pretty organized way of Jewish life. And there were definitely splinter cells from that. It's not like everyone was a good little temple-goer. But before... The destruction of the temple, everything was a little more similar to other traditional societies of the era. It's that destruction of the temple that really creates a rupture in Jewish life that I think gives Jewishness its, I don't know if I can say unique character, but certainly it's special character.
0: All right, cool. Cool, Harvard. Thanks for sharing.
1: (laughs) I, You know, I do my best, and I think... The third thing I want to say the Talmud is, so we've said that the Talmud is a bridge between Tanakh and lived experience, and Mm -hmm. we've said that Talmud is an attempt to make the Tanakh work and to make Jewish life work after the destruction of the Second Temple. But I also think a third important aspect of Talmud is that it's a process. It's a particular way of engaging with truth. And the way it engages with truth is that it encourages interpretation of the past. It encourages valuing of all opinions. feels a little generic for what I want to say, but like the Talmud always records the minority opinion. The Talmud records even the opinion that we didn't end up using practically. So, like, it encourages sort of an archival attitude towards debate rather than, like, a winner-takes-all attitude. I think the way that the Talmud engages with truth and with the tradition is not just its own quality as a literary work, but it's also a quality that the Talmud is saying we should take on. Like, we should continue to make Talmud and we should continue to have a Talmudic attitude towards our lives.
0: Okay, so in summary, the three things that you think the Talmud are are a bridge between lived experience and mythology, a way of making mythology make sense.
1: And to make it make sense in the absence of the temple.
0: And the third is to lay out a framework for thinking and creating new society that should be emulated.
1: Exactly. The third one is like the Talmud is there to serve as an example for how we ought to engage with knowledge and each other and with truth. And it's an example that can be critiqued. You know, it's not an example because it's perfect, but it has the flavor of how we should relate to each other in it, in my opinion.
0: All right. Thanks, Ava. I think I'll go one out of three. That was pretty good. Am I a good student? <laughs>
1: I think you did great, Michael. I think you're a great student. Thanks, Hava. Everybody, dear listeners, Michael is learning about Kabbalah right now, and I'm very excited because I really struggle with Kabbalah, so hopefully we'll have a Kabbalah episode in the future because I'm not hip to it, you know? I struggle with it. I'm excited to have a future Kabbalah episode featuring Rabbi Michael.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. It's heady. It's heady it's who knows <laughs> who who knows what this uh, uh. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna do a thing i'm learning about stuff we'll do great i'm trying to do some stuff yeah should we wrap it
1: yeah i think that's a good episode i think we did what we need to do we came in you know try to play the best game of ball that we could you know mm-hmm. we did our best out there
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right cool.
1: Dear listeners, I hope to see some of you in my Talmud class at seven. If you have a few bucks, join the Patreon. Mm -hmm. We added a $2 a month tier for those who don't have enough to do any of the other tiers if you're interested in supporting the learning and the teaching
0: i think we're gonna do a patron only episode where i interview hava about her life so if you join the two dollar level or if you have more you can join the other levels then you'll have access to that we'll be posting that in a week probably
1: yeah, it'll be, you know, I think it'll have to be a multi-part series. I've led a storied life.
0: Yes, yes. The History of Hava Part 1, directed by Mel Brooks.
1: <laughs> yeah, call the Helmet Hotline, email us your questions, and shabu Buena semana.
0: Bye, guys.
1: Bye.